Osorio. I'm here with Houston Cinema Arts Festival and guest artist Trey Edward Schultz. Welcome to the Houston Cinema Arts Festival. This is Thank our you. 11th year here. It's amazing. What is it like to be back? Because you've been here before, right? I have. It was a fantastic time. Brought my first feature here. Grisha, yeah. And that was how long ago? That was Oof, that must have been, I believe, 2015. Okay. Yeah. And you are a Houstonian. Indeed. So this is not your first rodeo. Indeed. You know Houston. <laughs> what is it like to be back and bring this impactful film back to audiences here in Houston? It's amazing. It's fan- I mean, I just got in yesterday evening, um, but uh, just being back home now, I don't know. I'm very, very excited for the screening tonight. And uh, just to be back in the city, it's great. And what has it been like for you as an artist to work with the Houston Cinema Arts Festival to uh, film here? It's been amazing. They were incredibly supportive of my first feature. So just to have that support from the beginning the, and to come back and still have it and then see how we're, uh, you know, getting, getting everyone out for the screening tonight is just, uh, it's really humbling. It's amazing. So let's talk a little bit about your film. Yeah. I was able to watch it last week. Amazing. And I have I've had to keep it inside. I can't talk about it with anybody. Yeah. Because I don't and I don't, wouldn't want to anyway. Yeah. Because you want them to be able to experience it the way that I did. Yeah. It's a completely immersive experience. I hope so. So what do you hope audiences take away from the film? Uh, I think there's a lot. Uh, I think different people will take away different things. Um, I really kind of hope. You know, it's designed to be an immersive, subjective experience, and I hope it feels like you're in it when you're in it and living it with them and feeling a lot of things, Uh, and I hope you get out to the end of it and have a lot to think about. Um, But at a base level, I really hope you just feel some empathy for the people, uh, for the characters in it. I hope it never feels like it's judging and trying to understand and feeling a connection between these human beings, and I think communication is another big thing in it. think it can be a cautionary tale for a lack of communication in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit of a theme I've been noticing too with some of these Q&As, uh, getting a vibe of, especially between parents and children on each side of how, how you communicate. So yeah, it's a lot. So walk me through, this was very obviously a labor of love, yeah. and I know you were on this journey for a while to make this film. Yeah. Can you walk me through how you conceptualize this? Yeah. Did you already have an idea from beginning to end how you wanted it to go? Um, it was a very long uh, process. Basically, if, honestly, original ideas were like when I was in high school and it was just like images in my head and music and teens and I didn't know what all that was. And then um, I think really for the better part of a decade, it's just been kind of brewing together piece by piece. Um, a lot of it's autobiographical, there's like real stuff and then fictional, then real, and it all wraps together into this big personal movie. So I think just living through a lot of things between myself, between loved ones, and then getting perspective on that and then putting that all into something. Um, and then uh, other things in my life too, meeting Calvin, who's the lead actor in it, it was extremely collaborative with him. Um, I don't know, all these things kind of came together to where it was, uh, it was ready, you know. Right. So yeah. is filming more of an organic process for you? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I'm trying to, because ever since my first movie um, that I made over in Montgomery uh, with my friends and family at my mom's house, it was the best week of my life, and it was um, 
at a base level, it was like a group of people together that loved each other making something they, they cared about. Um, and a talent, a really talented group of people. So like that's all I'm trying to do now, and just be open and collaborate um, to where, from literally making a movie with family and friends to like if it's a bigger movie or a newer movie, I'm just trying to create a family basically. So with this, um, it was that same thing. It was the best summer of my life, and it was extremely collaborative and open and beautiful. It was amazing. So you seem to have this knack for having a very progressive way of approaching storytelling in your films. Um, is it important for you to be able to tell these stories that aren't necessarily your reality? Yeah. You said some of it is autobiographical, yeah. but it, there are other elements in there that surely came to you in a different way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's very important to, to, I guess it's like the idea of like, um, being like spiritually honest to something, if that makes sense. And like, even if it's not literally honest, like the emotion and the kind of spirit behind something is really exciting to me. And just telling, I, I hope, you know, stories that are a bit unorthodox. I think so many, um, you know, so many movies are like mass marketed big things. And I think it's good to go against the grain a bit and, t and tell stories that are more difficult. You know, I, I kind of believe too, my parents are both therapists, and I believe in um, uh, just trying to understand and examine the good and the bad of people, you know, and that's what makes us human, and that's a beautiful thing. So to not shy away from it, um, and, and th I think that's what I'm trying to do with these really ex hopefully experiential films, uh, you know, because you can, you can live in someone else's shoes and, and understand their journey, and that's kind of a privilege, I think, with movies. You know? Right. Yeah. And that brings me to a part of the film. I'm not giving anything away, yeah. but there is a very impactful moment in the film where Sterling, Sterling's character tells Kelvin, they're having a discussion, yeah. and he tells him that people like them do not are not afforded the luxury of being average. Yeah. That really hit home for me as a person of color and of my father who's an immigrant constantly driving home, hey, we have to work harder, we have to be better we are taking up space here and people don't want us to be here, so you have to be better. So walk me through this examination of race and how you chose to incorporate that in this particular story. Well, it was very organic. It was basically in that collaboration with Cal. So when we, we met um, uh, a year ago before I started writing this, it was on my last movie, and we loved each other and wanted to make something together again. It comes at night. It comes at night, comes indeed. At night, yeah. uh, and... Uh, yeah, and I had, a, you know, this was the thing that had been brewing, and I was like, I have this thing. It didn't have a name yet or, or character titles, but it had the broad outlines and the broad strokes, um, and Cal was, like, immediately attracted to Tyler. Um, so we started doing these, like, mini therapy sessions, basically, while I was writing, where we were talking about our past experience, you know, especially at that age, um, how it felt with our with our parents, with our fathers, with our uh, if siblings or lovers and girlfriends and pressures in school. So, um, and a huge part of that, um, especially was for Kel, uh, uh, being black and like having a black family and um, uh, pressures that he felt from his father. And so we just tried to work everything in, in a real way. What we kind of discovered is, you know, there's very specific nuanced differences, and then there's also commonalities, you know, to where what we, what we had hoped with the movie is that it would feel like, um, 
uh, authentic, specific to this black family, but also um, what some of what they're going through are universal issues between grief and love and healing and tragedy and trying to make it through that. So sort of connecting both those things together, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, yeah. So this film also has one of the most amazing soundtracks. Oh, You've you. got some Tam Impala, you have Amy Winehouse, you have Frank Ocean, you have her, and you also have an amazing score from uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah. Was that a very conscious effort to select this music to sort of build these characters and shape these characters? Yeah, absolutely. And I just feel very blessed because we got the dream, you know? Like, I don't... It's still a bit surreal that we have the soundtrack we do, and then we have Trent Atticus as composers. Um, it was yeah. So like even the script had the music all embedded in it. Oh. So as you're reading, you could play it if you wanted to. Like uh, it had play and pause buttons next to each track in the story, and it is kind of designed. You know, I think a part of that is like when I was in high school, music was so huge to me and got me through a lot of things. Music is still huge to me, but I, I the hope is that it. Um, it's designed to go along with Ty and M's narrative arc uh, and also br hopefully bring you closer to their headspaces and their world. You know, like if you laid out the soundtrack, uh, a story is kind of being told from song to song that echoes Ty and Emily's journey. Um, and then the score is doing a similar thing, but the score is different in the sense we were trying to make it feel like the internal spirit of the character could kind of come out musically. Um, so that starts with Ty and then it goes to Emily and the score is this kind of sonic connection that's linking brother and sister, I think, because they're rarely in the film together. But as siblings, I think your spirits are all, all, always connected, you know? And that's a huge part of what's going on in this movie and that dynamic and relationship. And um, we, yeah, so they would literally, Trent Atticus would take sounds from the movie uh, and manipulate them and use them musically, even to the fact of like why we use a piano theme is because of Tyler and how he plays the piano. and. Um, yeah, it was just, it was amazing working with them, and like just feel very very blessed. I got that and this crazy soundtrack. Yeah, so it really is an immersive experience sonically, visually, I hope so. stylistically, That's emotionally. So, um, what was the process like to develop this very specific visual style for the film? Um, it was really natural because I've worked with uh, Drew uh, Drew Daniels, my same DP on every movie. I love him the best in the world um, and it just kind of felt like a natural progression to us like starting with Cresha my first movie um, to where that and this they're meant to be very subjective and immersive and every 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 motivation for camera movement or lack of movement or aspect ratios or anything is to get you in the headspace and spirit of the of Tyler and then of Emily um, so yeah, it, it, and that can be a lot of things. That can be spinning in a car because that's what their love feels like and that's what that freedom feels like. Or it can be the camera's locked off and not moving at all because this person feels isolated and their world is just broken and falling apart. So, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing uh, working with Drew on this. Yeah, it felt like you were there. It I hope felt, so. Yeah. That's the exact, the goal is to feel like either you're literally f you, like the character or you feel you're right in the room with them even if they're on a bench like and we'll, we'll with the sound too we'd put um, atmospheres in the rears to try to make it feel like you're just sitting there at that lake with them um, and that's the whole goal of the movie to feel like you're just in their headspace or there in that room with them or or environment you know
Well, at times, it's you captured that so well as that reckless youth yeah, feeling. I hope so. And it's that's what I remember yeah. from my, you know, when I thought I knew everything, or I, had, totally. I thought I had everything under control, or that I I knew what I was doing with my life, but also this whole dynamic that's so different. Totally. Um, but these characters were so raw and heartbreakingly real. Did you give them the space to be able to flesh them out, or did you yeah. give them more direction? Uh, no, I'd say a lot of space. I, I just like love collaboration, you know, so, and it started with Kel in that unorthodox manner, and I just tried to spread that with every actor to where as collaborative as they want or don't want, to where um, it could be anything. It could be sort of like going back through the script, getting notes and then rewriting stuff, to them surprising me on the day and doing new stuff with a scene. Um, to uh, just changing language uh, subtly inside a scene. It could be anything and everything, basically. Um, yeah. So what has it been like to watch the film through the eyes of different audiences for you at festivals? It's been fa- I still haven't literally watched the movie with an audience, okay. uh, but I can, I mean, easily get, a, you know, a vibe from, like, doing an intro, then coming for the Q&A and talking to people. It's been really amazing. Um, What I have noticed is the people that connect with it connect with it hardcore. Um, You know, I don't think the movie's for everyone, but I think who it's for, they really, really connect. And I've had some of the most beautiful, humbling experiences I've ever had with a film, uh, talking to some people and and, and vibing with some audiences, yeah. Well, hopefully your your experience will be a little different here, because you are home. Indeed, indeed. So you're home, and and this is Houston, and and people here admire you so much, and they're so excited for this film. I think even watching the screening last week, everybody who was there with me, the vibe was just so intense. That's amazing. So I mean, I, I want to take that for myself, just because I'm like, well, I'm a fellow Houstonian. I'm Northside. Like, oh, yeah. I, you know, I want to be able to relate to this harder. You know. Yeah. But I, I understand that other audiences are probably having the same exact feelings because it's just that kind of film. Yeah. So, what kind of advice would you give other filmmakers who are trying to tell these really powerful stories? Uh, just keep doing. It. Like, t- to me, two things: like, drive. Don't give up. Uh, at any cost and like just like I think like if you want to make films you have to go all in and if you do it will happen when it's meant to happen and the other thing is just do you like find your voice especially if you have your own unique personal stories um, like no one else can can duplicate or manipulate you you're a single important powerful person so find your voice and have drive and don't give up and it will happen when it's meant to happen you know so what is next for you uh, I have no idea. I'm like a blank slate. <laughs> so Put it all into this movie. There so. aren't any any stories brewing right now, or N- no real stories. There's like loose uh, concept or ideas of like things, but nothing near solid concrete. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I know you're a really busy guy, but oh, you are a master and you're incomparable. Thank you thank so you. much, Trey Edward Schultz, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for talking to me. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Amazing. That was lovely. Thank you so much.